This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another Instant Reaction podcast. Through the smoke, Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting. Miami 38, Virginia Tech 26. Excuse me for being a little out of breath. We just <laughs> we just sprinted through the rain. Still raining. You know, well past an hour since the game ended. Anyways, Miami got the win. Um, Tyler Van Dyke came out dealing, right? Um, finished the game 19 of 33, 357 and three touchdowns. Miami scored a touchdown on their first four possessions of the game. And, uh, you know, I think essentially this game boiled down to Miami was a team that could hit on explosive passing plays. Virginia Tech is not built that way this year. They have to grind out with a dual threat quarterback that can't really throw. Um, Their ability to run did give Miami some issues, but... At the end of the day, it was the explosive passing game that was the difference. Um, what impressed you most about what what Tyler and or the receivers and or the pass protection? Because Tyler wasn't sacked all game long, too, and O-line deserves some credit. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, I was just really just impressed just how they came out sort of coming off of that uh, Florida State loss. I feel like it's sort of a toss-up at times, just what a team sort of looks like coming off a, a game like that. And to see them come out firing like that is super encouraging. It seems like that has been the recipe to to victories for this team. When they've come out and scored like that or started quickly on offense, it's typically led led to wins. So to see them come out like that, it's always a positive sign, especially coming off that, you know, really just a disappointing loss. Just, I mean, a gut wrenching loss to Florida State uh, the way they did it. So for them to sort of bounce back like that, I think is a. It's pretty huge, and you know, to see the receivers make plays, to watch Charleston Rambo sort of be Charleston Rambo, um, first Miami receiver since 2013 to you know eclipse that thousand yard mark. I think that's a pretty big deal, and you know, a couple other guys got involved too with Mike Harley hitting a big one, uh, Burchard Smith. I mean, out of the backfield hitting that, uh, having that 75 yarder. Uh, definitely good to see those explosives, and it's clear that Miami's at its best when they're able to do that. Yeah. Um... I'll admit I'm still swooning over that 75-yard bomb from Tyler Van Dyke to Brashard Smith. Um, that was an NFL throw. He threw it from the opposite hash to the far side of the field, um, perfectly in stride to Brashard Smith, never had to break stride, and scored a beautiful touchdown. The trajectory of that ball was like, it felt like it was like a Lou Headley punt, you know? That's how, like, high and far it went, traveling through the air. Tremendous arm talent there. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure me and that throw will be spending plenty of time together on my iPad. Um, 
Yeah, you mentioned Charleston Rambo, right? That was a big matchup in this game because Jermaine Waller, um, Virginia Tech's cornerback, I think he's an NFL corner. Um, Charleston ate him up all game long, seven for 116. One thing I think is worth mentioning too, Rob Likens, I think, needs a shout out for the job he's done developing these receivers, specifically Charleston. Um, His ability to track the ball, his ability to win one-on-ones downfield in terms of like contested catches, he has taken tremendous steps, you know, this year comparing to what he was doing at Oklahoma. I feel like at Oklahoma, even his good Oklahoma season, which was 2019, I guess, it was more like um, hit him in stride, yard after catch type of stuff. This season, he is an all-around wide receiver. Um, he's clearly talented in his own right, but I think the job Rob Likens has done with him deserves a shout. Um, I think, too, it's worth pointing out, Miami's offense today was one-dimensional, um, which kind of makes it even more impressive to me that Tyler had the type of game he had. Um what was it at halftime, Gabby? Jalen Knighton's line was like six carries, zero yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> so they couldn't really get the run game going. Um, I will say, though, shout out Thad Franklin. He, uh, he did kill the game off um, at the end of the game, which is what you want. Like, that's why you have that big back for those late fourth quarter and the game moments and the drives. And, and honestly, Gabby, too, you know, this came down to the explosive play ability of Miami's offense against, you know, kind of that ground and pound of Virginia Tech. I think within that, a lot of it too kind of boiled down to when the game, when it was raining, when it was not raining. Earlier in the game, wasn't raining. Tyler Van Dyke was able to deal, throw the ball downfield. Virginia Tech kind of just got their way back into it. They stole a possession with the onside kick. Um... The QB run, you know, stretch run, cutback lanes was there for the Hokies in the third quarter with the rain. And, and I'll say this too. Typically when it rains, right, um, it exposes, like if you're a bad tackling team, yeah. it's going to show up in rainy games. It, it, it amplifies a team's inability to tackle. And I think we kind of saw that in that third quarter stretch. And then... Uh, then the rains kind of stopped for a little bit in the fourth quarter. And Tyler Van Dyke hit Mike Harley on a very nice 55-yard touchdown pass. Downfield passing game. I will say at the end, you know, the rain started coming again in the fourth quarter. And he connected on another, like, 30-yard shot to Rambo in the rain. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I think this game would have... I mean, it is what it is, right? But I think this game would have been even more out of hand if there was no rain because Tyler was just dealing it and they had no answers for Charleston Rambo. I want to say too, like I'm impressed Gabby by this, the freshman receivers we've seen, we saw Romello Brinson make that ridiculous catch against uh, central Connecticut. Jacoby George is making things happen in the punt return yeah. game. I think he had three for 60 total. So he's aver- he averaged like 20 yards of return today which is what it felt like 
you know, for every one of his returns. It wasn't like he had one 50-yarder and then two more fives. Um, and then Brashard Smith, right, today. We got to see why he is an interesting chess piece because his touchdown, he it was essentially a wheel route out of the backfield, and you saw his downfield speed. So, you know, Charleston Rambo is going to go on to the NFL this year, and these young guys... They certainly need to step up. Like, they still have plenty more development to go. But the talent is definitely there. How about defense? What stood out to you? Yeah, um, I guess defensively, I mean, I guess they came up big at times. You know, there was a few clutch sort of three and outs there. But, again, I think you continue to see that this team struggles against running quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Braxton Burmeister really was, was some impressive speed there. I know you said that he might have been the fastest out of all the guys. Uh, he really showed stuff. Uh, the number four, I'm, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but, you know, he had some impressive runs. So I think that's just something that the defense continues to struggle with. But really, ultimately, they sort of, uh, you know, it really felt like they sort of came up big when they when they needed to, you know, got a couple of big stops, which is really all you can ask for. I don't think it was this all-around great, performance by the defense but they made a couple key plays uh, Jared Harrison Hunt with a big sack there late in the game that that sort of helped Miami out there at the end and you know really again nothing groundbreaking or anything like that but um you know it, it felt like they sort of got things done when they needed to uh I mean DJ Ivy got beat once a, I mean great catch by Trey Turner got to give him credit for that uh Marcus Clark also got beat in the corner of the end zone there um, you know, on just sort of a go up and get it type of play, um, just not in a great position there. So, uh, didn't feel super great about the defense, but you know, at the end of the day, they did enough to win the game. So I guess that's all you can really ask these days. Yeah, it was an inconsistent performance. Uh, missed tackles again, an issue, but I will say they were at least able to generate some negative plays, which is why, you know, they, they held off Virginia tech enough. I think it was 10 tackles for loss, four sacks, the strip sack fumble was a key kind of, you know, momentum swing, even though Miami only got a field goal out of that, I believe. Um, you're right. It was good enough, but they did at least have neg- negative plays that they uh, forced. And, uh, you know, third down, I think, was good enough. It was, I think Virginia Tech was 5 or 14. So let's uh, let's transition to the other game that was on at the same time. <laughs> Um, Utah, 38. Oregon, 7. Um, Gabby, does this activate the Mario Cristobal reacclimation project at Miami, a.k.a. the U Part 3? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, David, you said it. One of the ways that this sort of gets going is if Oregon misses the college football playoff. Uh, You know, Mario Cristobal coaching late into December, uh, potentially into January. Um, I mean, definitely into January. That's when the the semifinal would have been. It, it, that would have been a huge monkey wrench in this whole thing, or just in Miami's efforts to go get him. So, I mean, definitely, almost definitely wouldn't have happened. So, I think this certainly knocks Oregon out of the college football playoff uh, picture, and that means that you know, if Miami were to make a move to go get him, I mean, I think the I think the stars are sort of aligning there, where you know, it seems like again, if Miami wants to make a move on Cristobal, they're at least going to have the opportunity to or not just not be shut out based on the success of Oregon. So, I mean, if you are Miami decision makers and Mario Cristobal is your guy, you have to be, you have to be feeling pretty good about that result tonight. Yeah. I mean, step one was uh, parting ways with Blake James. Step two 
in terms of like this timeline we're working on currently step two they had to lose to this utah team eventually because they're likely going to play them in the pac-12 championship game in two weeks um that happened kind of the next step is getting that that next ad in there and then the final step is just coming correct right if you if miami comes correct with the salary with the resources to give him staffing um I'm not going to predict anything because you, you can't predict anything in this type of thing. But I I think Miami's chances at getting Mario Cristobal to come home are very strong. Um, what do we make of the, the result, right? Because I think it happens to all fans. I'm not saying they're, they're wrong with this um, line of thinking because... I don't think fans watch every Oregon game, right? But they look at this result, 38-7. to They got their butts kicked, right, Uh, in prime time. And what was a key game? Does this change how you feel about Mario? Or do you look at it as, you know, obviously it's a terrible game for them, but do you look at it as one big game and that should not, one game should not impact uh getting a quality coach yeah i mean i just think you just have to sort of take a step back and look at the landscape of what college football really is i mean right now if you're not georgia and you're not alabama um i mean you the games like this happen i mean look at how ohio state's playing right now how they just they hosted michigan state just absolutely dominated them of you know earlier in the season oregon goes into columbus and and really just beats the brakes off of them like i think that this is to me that outweighs the utah game yeah no, that win it does it does and it's just like th- things like this happen in college football i think you need to just look at the way the roster is built and it's through recruiting and recruiting at a high level and really oregon doesn't really have a quarterback i think that's a situation where you look at it and it's just in some i don't think anthony brown is good enough to sort of take that team to the mountaintop and again these sort of games happen sure is it a disappointing performance but i'm not looking at mario cristobal and questioning whether he's capable of building miami's roster back and just making miami a competitive team because whatever mario cristobal can do at oregon i believe he can do it at a higher level at miami again if they come correct with the situation and the money and the resources sort of needed to to get this thing rolling so i'm not really looking at it again i mean alabama lost to texas a&m earlier this season then texas a&m loses to ole miss and texas a&m almost lost to colorado it's just the way the sport goes sometimes uh you're gonna lose a game here and there no one really goes undefeated um and so, you know, I'm not too worried about it. Just sort of, you just got to understand the sport and how that sort of goes sometimes. Yeah, and these games do happen. Look, I, I'm not going to excuse a 38-7 to win or loss uh, by Oregon. But to me, and look, I wasn't able to watch it closely, of course, because um, Miami was playing at the same time. But just the little bit I was able to watch at the same time, it had that vibe of like the Notre Dame-Miami game back in 2017, right? Where it's just like, it was Utah's night, yeah. you know, in 2017. That was Miami's night. And the game just snowballed on Oregon in that first half. I mean, they got a punt return touchdown yeah. with zero time on the yeah. clock. Um, you know, it it was just Utah's night, it seemed like. Um, and I agree, Gabby. You know, just eye test-wise, to me, this Oregon team 
does not look like a college football playoff team in terms of like personnel. Um, I understand they were ranked number three, but they're really not the third best team in the country. Um, we see now how it is very impressive that they went out and beat Ohio State at Ohio State early in the season. Now, of course, Ohio State has improved since then, um, but still, it's that's it's the same personnel. Um, and Oregon was missing their best player, Kayvon Thibodeau, and, and their best linebacker in Justin Flo. So, um, to me, that win tells me more than this uh, Utah loss. And just looking at their roster, because, you know, from a guy who knows recruiting, and again, you, you can never bank on anything, I get that, but... To me, this Oregon program is a year ahead of schedule in terms of like being in the, the quote-unquote college football playoff conversation or picture here late in the season. To me, next year's Oregon roster is more talented than this year's roster. They have a young quarterback they're excited about. Um, he has traits. You don't know at the quarterback position until they're playing in games, but... Um, I know people inside that program think this Oregon team is built for next season and 2023. So, um, yeah, to me, just optically, they look like a 9 or 10 win team. Um, and, and we'll see how they bounce back against Oregon State this week. Uh, they come out flat, looking terrible again. That, that would be concerning. But uh, anyways... The plan is now activated. We'll see if uh, Miami can make the most of it. Anything else on Oregon? That's good for me. Go Utes. Dan Mullen continues to uh, mess up Florida somehow. <laughs> um, now it's the f- it's a five and six showdown. Florida, Florida State, must see TV Thanksgiving weekend. Um, we'll end it there. Appreciate all you guys listening. And um, till next time, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.